Hi, everyone. This is Jackie Cooper with J. Cooper Travels and Love Travel Scotland and Crypto Mom 2. As you can see, I have all my talk shows on the um, my backdrop. Um, and that's because I share out all my conversations to um, my various platforms, as well as in my blog, the Happiness Factor News. So today I am actually excited to have a continuation of a series of chats that I'm having with Deborah. Uh, before I kind of hop over to her, for those that are new to J. Cooper Travels, um, it's about how do we travel in life, not just about geographically where we go, even though for sure this year we're going to be talking more about you know, places around the world. It's also how do we travel in life, both personally, professionally, you know, with family and within ourselves. And so um, Deborah's life has been um, really extraordinary and her family actually um, is part of our history. And so she has written a number of books, more than a number. Um, and we've had a variety of conversations um, on, um, history topics, her books, and just current events. And today, um, this is part of the continuing conversation because Deborah is um, an inspiration to many people because of how she keeps reinventing herself and her words and her stories, and they take on new life and new mediums. So with that, we're going to, you know, explore all that. Deborah, how are you doing today? Wonderful. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Yeah, yeah. So I can definitely, um, as a, a mini author myself, I can definitely appreciate you know what you've been doing. And I'm excited to share with everyone that your books are actually now on screen. And but before they became, you know, into that form of media, you had a journey and a process that you had to do and learn as well. But um, for those, before we actually get to the filming side and also the description of how you learned about scripts and that whole world, why don't you give a little bit of history about yourself um, and how you decided to start writing, you know, because um, you you had a vision that was really inspired by your parents. And so I, you know, um, want I want to do it justice. So why don't you go ahead and share um, more about your background and then we'll hop into the current events of today. All right. Um, well, I, I was born in Brooklyn, but brought up in the British colony then, now Commonwealth of Bermuda. Okay. And the family is the only Jewish family to have lived on the island for four generations. And after World War II, we went back to the Bermuda family, my mother's family. Uh, and I was part of the British education system. <laughs> and uh, it's rather rigorous, actually. And I have a picture of me almost in diapers with a number two pen writing. Uh, it was part of, of who I was and who my parents were. They were both graduates of Harvard. Radcliffe and Harvard. So they were rather literary individuals. And uh, so I was used to books around the house and always. And when we came back to America, to New York, when I was about seven or eight, um, that hadn't changed. In fact, uh, my dad took us to the library every single weekend and we were allowed to choose a book to take home with us. Uh, and uh, if we didn't choose 
it was chosen for us by my father. I did not know at the time that he had been a military intelligence officer during World War II, um, but I knew well enough uh, to find a book quickly <laughs> and, uh, and so reading be, was always part of who we were. When I first started to publish something was in high school because a teacher took one of my short stories and suggested I give it to the school newspaper to publish. And I thought, oh, okay. Had no idea that it was that interesting. I've been called the most clueless person on the planet by my older brother <laughs> for a good reason. But I kept on writing as I went to Harvard and um, it was it was always something that was necessary and I branched out early into uh, grant writing in my profession as a nonprofit executive and then newsletters and all kinds of articles. Uh, and um, I was approached in Chicago when I worked for the American Jewish Committee by the um, liturgical publication office of the Catholic Archdiocese there, asking me if I would write something with them. And that's how I really got started. It was not the first thing I had written. The reason they decided to talk to me was I had published an article in the American Dance History magazine on Baroque dance, which I was a dancer, it was my passion. And um, when I said, well, I haven't written on religion before. And they said, you've written, you've published. That's all that counts. Okay. And off we went. And that's a story for anyone who has published. It's amazing what you can do. And I kept going. So it's been 15 books, awards, and just joy in doing it. And then I felt the world had changed enough that I needed to learn how to write scripts. I got a coach. I wrote a TV pilot. It hasn't, it's won awards in 21 different film festivals. It hasn't been produced. If you're, at, if you're listening to this and you're a producer, call me up. <laughs> but I did produce another one for radio about dad and his letters, wartime letters, my mom's letters to him. It got picked up by a, a national TV uh, platform and we made it into a documentary with visuals. So why don't you go ahead and show um, the cover of the book and um, that way we can start sh sharing. For those that are on the audio side, definitely hop over to my YouTube side. Definitely, you know, like and subscribe both on the audio as well as on the YouTube. So that way you can stay current on all the various people that I'm talking to. So what we see here is the untold story of a World War II liberator. So um, why don't you go ahead and share um, a little bit more about what we're what we're seeing and, and what it's all about. Sure. This is my father in his um, early mid-20s in the 1940s, having graduated Harvard, 
finally enlisted. He it took him a while because he was too skinny to get <laughs> involved. They rejected him until he noshed all the time on ice cream sodas. And uh, he was sent to a place called Fort Ritchie, which is was a secret military intelligence camp where they trained individuals, often Jews, who had grown up speaking German or French and were designated to be both spies and to interrogate Nazi prisoners of war. And that's what he did. And during his work, uh, he liberated a death camp He'd seen more than one liberated Nordhausen, which was an underground death camp storage facility for dead bodies, terrible place. So I learned that he had written all these letters to my mother and her, to him, and he kept them all in a file cabinet hidden away in his closet. When I took the job in Tulsa, Oklahoma with the Jewish Federation shortly after the Oklahoma City bombing. And part of my job was to deal with media and the community and deal with the present presence of neo-Nazis running around the town. That's when he told me he had those letters he came to Tulsa to make sure that his his baby was being taken care of. The FBI had my back. And when I heard what he had done, put him on radio to do a an interview. And that was the start of my work with his history, his letters, his stories. It changed my life, and I have a feeling gave him quite a bit of satisfaction. Do you want to show a picture of your mom and also one of the letters? I sure do. Let's see. So, um, let's see. Can you see my mom? No. No. Try again. Mm, still not working very well we can show i can show the picture i can embed the picture of your mom if you would like to send it to me um try to see if you can show the uh the letter Okay, perfect. So that's a, a one of the letters that was sent. Um, so talk about the process of your learning how to write scripts, how to get funded, how to network in this business, because that's a whole nother area that you were learning about. Yes, indeed. All right. So um, as you can see, the, uh, the letter is handwritten. And it is, it is beautiful. Dearest darling, 
she called him, this military officer, honey boy. Uh, he called her for reasons I've never figured out, pie face. So they loved each other. And I felt that that legacy, in addition to the wartime experiences, really should be told. It was part of the education of what had made my father's perseverance possible during the time when he was seeing the Holocaust in person. So in, in doing so, I started to write a memoir with his letters. It's called The Liberator's Daughter. And uh, he was still alive at that time. And I showed him uh, a, a chapter and he said, uh, well, um, you're, you're getting there, dear, which is his military way of saying, um, right now this is a piece of crap, but I'm sure that if you keep trying, it'll get better. <laughs> and I did. But frankly, I was not able to complete the memoir till many years after his passing, in part because it was very emotional reading these letters. And I had to have time to process what I was reading and what he had seen that he had really never talked about. And so I put together eventually the memoir, The Liberator's Daughter, uh, and people came to me and wanted more. You know, wow, that's, that's a story. So I wrote a sequel called The Magic Marble Tree, which is much more personal and uh, engaging because I had been able to absorb all of it even more. Uh, my sister-in-law called me up and said, well, you finally figured out how to write. <laughs> well, it's true. It takes a while when you do something this emotional and personal. But I then realized that the world had changed and I wanted to go into a different medium. And so it, uh, I started to learn how to write scripts. And uh, my first uh, efforts were terrible. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I had to hire a coach, which I did. And I was very grateful for his patience and loving kindness and perseverance with me. <laughs> to teach me how to write the TV script, which was originally about my life, uh, and to uh, make it part of a, a, a six-episode series. Uh, and The Liberator's Daughter is a beautiful thing. But my cousin Jan, who is in Madison and in the theater world, said, you know, it takes a long time to get something like that produced. Why don't you go for something faster, which would be just audio, radio, and see if you can't do something that is meaningful to you in the meantime. So I wrote another script, now knowing how, for just the audio, which was much easier. Uh, and uh, it was called Untold, Stories of a World War II Liberator. And it was performed on a local radio station with local readers. Uh, here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
I wanted a broader audience because I felt that what, what, what I had done was an amazing education tool. That it it showed a version of of experiencing the war through eyes that most people would not have heard of otherwise. So uh, I contacted uh, something called Jewish Life TV and they were wonderful assisting me in creating the documentary which has visuals in addition to the audio. Uh, they were very persistent, but uh, I'm sure they, they might have thought I would drop out after a while, but uh-uh. I've been an editor myself for 16 years of the American Diversity Report, and I really respect editors. And I, I said, just go for it. Tell me how every second should look. And we did until it, as they say in the military, passed muster. And they uh, actually uh, put it out on one of their channels, Roku, uh, just a few days ago. So congratulations on that. So everyone um, who's listening, I can um, put in the blog below how you can, um, you know, reach out to, both to Deborah as well as to, to watch it. Um, so is it playing every day, um, or do they need to put a certain title in when they're searching? How would they find it? Well, they go to Jewish Life TV and it has its own website. Okay. And they can search for it and they can see where they can find it. In addition, however, uh, I have put it up on YouTube under my account, uh, so that it's quite easy to access. Okay. So if you really want that access to be easy, share it in classrooms and libraries, churches. Understood. Yeah, it's an important message and history is always important to remember and um, to participate in so that way um, we can learn from it. So are there... Um, was this an easy process for you or did you find, you know, would you say that being a woman made it easy, made it difficult? Did you have mentors? You have mentioned some, but um, what's your overall view of this whole experience? It is not easy. This is an industry that is highly competitive and the demand for absolute precision in writing script is incredible. It, it, it is something that is not for the faint of heart. And so it took me quite a while and I used something called Fade In as, as the script template uh, to, to learn how to do it. Uh, and it was uh, uh, eye-opening that this industry was so demanding and that once you wrote the script, even, even though it has the television pilot has won in 21 to film festivals across the world. Getting it produced is a whole nother matter. So I urge people who are interested in this stuff to be patient and work hard. And the whole idea of doing the audio, radio one, was very smart and has been picked up quite a bit. The um, 
And of course the topic and the timeliness of it has helped quite a bit. Now, being female hasn't really, didn't really um, influence it, except in the beginning when I approached my coach, his name is Dylan Hussman. Uh, and originally I said, can you find somebody who can turn my, uh, my book, the memoir into a movie a script? And he said to me, we don't have enough women in Hollywood doing this. So you are gonna do it yourself. And that was how I got started. That's what he wanted and I am so grateful for it. This is a, as I say, a tough industry. It's about who you know, not, not an easy one to, to get out there. I told a friend of mine, you know, that um, the, the TV pilot script has won 21 awards and the, the World War II script is now a documentary and it's being po posted by Jewish Life TV. And uh, she, she runs a, um, a, a citywide film festival. And she said, well, I'm not gonna tell anybody. I said, why not? She said, do you know how jealous these people are going to be to hear a first time script writer get all this done? You'll thank me for, for not saying anything. <laughs> They're going to come for you. <laughs> well, you know, again, um, there are those in the industry that I'm sure would be supportive of you, but there are also those that might, you know, might feel um, like they should get their fair due to um, and like you said every industry is is difficult so you you know it's it is sometimes who you know as well as the work that you put in because you definitely put the work in so um, you know for everyone who's listening definitely go back into my feed I have a digital book that um, I'll be sharing the link um, on here because uh, my various talk shows now, because I've done over 400, I, I know it's difficult to kind of go back through. So the digital book allows you to flip through and kind of go to the QR code so you can listen and you'll be able to find other shows. Um, and that way you can listen to our other episodes. So uh, Deborah, any last minute thoughts that you want to share? I know we're we have another one scheduled in the March, April time period. Any last minute thoughts about this topic? I'd just like to add that given what is going on in today's world, that understanding history, seeing it through this young man's eyes and hearing his words and my mother's words to him and a Polish Holocaust survivor's memoirs folded into the works, it has been called a just amazing mind-changing experience. So I urge you to listen to and hear and see this documentary. And I'd love to hear from you about what you feel it might do in education. Yeah, for sure. I think that what you're saying is extremely important. We do need to incorporate um, the events of the war and everything that occurred around um, in our schools. So that way um, each generation is aware 
of what happened in the past. Because um, if we if we don't teach about information about various events, then it's as if it didn't happen. And so we really have to uh, make sure that um, we have different perspectives and um, and your parents' perspectives, you know, are in the moment. And, and that's, you know, it's, and that's, you know, a lot of times we reflect afterwards, but, you know, those letters are showing what was going on right then. And that's really important. Yes, it is. And I'm very grateful to my cousin, my father's nephew, Michael Levine, for composing the music that goes with it. This is a piece of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So everyone definitely go ahead and um, take a listen and then share with Deborah, um, you know, your your comments and, um, you know, how you were impacted by it and maybe who you're going to be sharing it out with because it's all about passing it, paying it forward. And uh, for everyone also who is listening to my talk shows, remember what I always say at the end, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. We're all part of one world and we're also interconnected. So thank you so much, Deborah, for being on. And I will chat with you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you.